welcome back to Nat Chat, the Natilic Podcast. My name is Rob Thorne. Today, we have the second in our Return to Office series of conversations, this time focusing on Wi-Fi. Whether you're working from your kitchen table or bedroom at home, or a meeting room in the office, Wi-Fi plays a huge part in how we get work done and will play an even bigger role in the future as we transition into hybrid working. We speak to two of the most knowledgeable and well-known figures in the European Wi-Fi technical community about their recommendations for network teams to help them prepare the office from both a safety and a coverage and capacity perspective. We also get some advice from our experts on how you can optimise your home working setup to provide you with the best possible experience. And stay tuned for the very end, where we're giving you a chance to win a free wireless survey as part of our special giveaway in this episode of the Natilic Podcast. Okay, it's Monday the 1st of April, but do not worry, listener, this is definitely not an April Fool's joke. We've got a stellar lineup for you today, including some Wi-Fi royalty here to talk to us about wireless. Um, but ladies first, we've got Haley Knott making a comeback to NatChat. Haley, hello. Hi, Rob. Welcome aboard once again. And I'm also delighted to have the Wi-Fi ninjas on board. Now, I've introduced you as one there, but you tend to come as a pair. Um, but first, let me say hello to you, Mac Daring. How are you doing, my man? I've never been better, man. Thank you very much for having me here. Thank you, Hayley. Thank you, Rob. It's a massive, absolute, total blast and pleasure to yes. be a guest at Natilic Podcast. It's the first time. So thank you very it much is. for inviting us. First, hopefully not the last as well. And I love the enthusiasm that you're bringing. It's exactly what I want. Um, Matt, I'm hoping to get the same level of enthusiasm from you. Welcome aboard, Matt Starling. How are you doing, my friend? Very good. Thank you. Very good. Thank you, Rob. Hayley, Mac, nice to see you all. Yeah, it is nice to see you. Um, so, listener, this is another in our Return to Office series. Um, following on from our collaboration discussion last week, we've got a show all about wireless today. However, before we dive in, let's not break tradition and get to know our guests a little bit more. So, Haley, I'm going to start with you again. Um, what keeps you busy day to day? Can you give the listeners a bit of a, an introduction to yourself? Yeah, so um, I am a product marketing manager here at Natilic. And I look after the worlds of networking, data center, and security. And I also help out our internal teams in the DevOps space as well. Nice. Yeah, my my partner in crime, although we're not quite as famous as these two just yet. Um, <laughs> not yet. <laughs> not yet. We'll get there. We'll get there. Next, I think it's worth introducing you as a duo, actually. So the two-headed force of nature that you are. Um, you're obviously quite well known around Europe um, already, but would you two like to tell us a little bit about you and, and who you are and what you do? Um, I'll start with you, Mac. Yeah, of course. So I'm Mac. I, I'm a wireless engineer at Natilic, and I breathe, live, and dream Wi-Fi day in, day out, pretty much. So this is not only like a day job that, that I do. I kind of enjoy what I'm doing, so it doesn't even feel like it's work anymore, I don't think. So at work, we do, like I do, pretty much everything Wi-Fi related from design to integration to optimization, troubleshooting, surveying. So pretty much everything, full stack. And also like working with the sales guys sometimes to uh, give them a hand with positioning uh, things that we that we sell and and do. So that's that's me outside of, outside of Natilic. Obviously, uh, Matt and I, we are the Wi-Fi ninjas. And we do the podcasts, blogs, videos, uh, conferences, public speaking, training. And I believe that both of us, we enjoy it 
as much as I do enjoy working for Natilic. So it's been like six years at Natilic. I don't think I've ever spent as much time anywhere. So that's probably Always a good time. Uh, that means something, right? It's like I'm a dinosaur. Yeah, it's really good time, man. It's like amazing company. So enjoy being here. Enjoy being everywhere. Like Wi-Fi Ninjas, Natilic, this podcast. Amazing. Thank you, Matt. Up to you. Yeah, what's that saying? Uh, love what you do and you'll never work a day in your life. Something along them sort of lines. So I feel, uh, yeah, I feel very lucky and uh, privileged. I get to just mainly focus and work on Wi-Fi day in, day out. So uh, it's how I met Mac. I uh, joined Natilic probably about two and a half, two and a half years ago now. Yeah, I think it is coming up to like two and a half years. I think it'll be three years in September. So um me and Mac, we first had a, a, a phone call. Uh, and actually, I don't think I spoke to you over the phone first. I think I spoke to our current our current manager at the time. And then he arranged for us to meet up to like a face-to-face interview. And we uh, we met in a nice, lovely pub in between both where we lived. And uh, you grilled me on some some Wi-Fi questions. Yeah, I was going to say, did that get did that get pretty heated, or was it was it pretty? Did you sort of was it love at first sight? Uh, it was it's definitely love at first sight, especially because. Uh, um, I could tell Mac was trying to, you know, catch me out with some, you know, tricky Wi-Fi questions where some other people may not have uh, been able to spot him trying to, you know, uh, ask these sort of questions to make me trip up somewhere. But fortunately, I was able to answer them and bat them away. And then, yeah. Questions were easy, man. <laughs> oh, easy, but no one else had been able to. You've been searching for a, a fellow engineer for a long time. Six months. Thing. Yeah, like once a week I had an interview, something like this for the past six months. And I was so struggling to find someone that would be able to do some Wi-Fi with me at Natalia because I was on my nice. own back then and I was quite desperate. So the interview with Matt, we had uh, pretty much on the day of my holidays, I think I was about to catch a plane. So we didn't have too much time uh, for an interview. And how much time did it, did it take for you to get employed after after the interview? Yeah, I think like three days. I think, yeah, I spoke to, I spoke to Ian on the Monday, met you on the Wednesday and I was uh, hired by the Friday. Love it. Sounds like a sounds like a Craig David song, but um, yeah. Well, there you go, listener. We bring you not only do we bring you brilliant tech industry information, but also tech love stories as well. So there's a there's one for free for you. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a huge fan of what you guys do. Um, I'm not going to lie, the Wi-Fi Ninjas podcast does take me out of my depth a little bit, but you guys are doing incredible stuff across the board. So um, yeah, definitely keep it up. Um, so so let's get started then on our on our main discussion. Um, to get get a started crew, um, the beginning of the global lockdown, as we all know, businesses across the world kind of scrambled to to pivot to remote working. Um, now that we've got a roadmap for returning to the office and what that might look like, what are the main considerations for network and Wi-Fi teams returning to the office? Is it as simple as just going back to the way things were and everything working the same? I'm sure there's more to it than that. So, Matt, why don't I start with you to begin with? Sure. Uh, well, it's hard to it's hard to know for certain, but I don't feel like when we go back to work, it's going to be the exact same as what it was before. I think there's going to be a different kind of demand on the on the Wi-Fi and the network. I think people will be using it in a slightly different way. Um, and I think the other thing is like making sure people can get back to work safely. So I think from how the Wi-Fi network will run that day to day compared to what it was pre-pandemic, I think there'll be probably more users on the Wi-Fi now and doing uh, different applications to what they were before. Because I think even though there's a roadmap to get back to working uh, safely in the offices uh, together again, I think that, you know, now 
so many people have adapted to working from home i think you know a lot of people will be working from home uh, and some will come to the office is so i think there'll be more uh, applications like microsoft teams cisco webex zooms uh, voice calls over wi-fi video calling over wi-fi maybe offices space so they don't kind of function the way they did before so everyone will just come in sit at a hot desk and work together maybe it's going to be more of a collaboration space so you know you're going to have people coming in for team meetings or um meeting with customers and you know there's the demand on the wi-fi i think is going to be slightly different to what it was before so i think uh, if i was a business i'd kind of have that in mind and be thinking oh is my wi-fi network going to be capable of the new ways of working um and then the second part to that is like you know can i guarantee that my staff when they come back to the office are they going to be safe are we going to be able to you know track and make sure if someone does unfortunately contract covid if they are in close proximity or um come into contact with other members of staff can we let them know is anyway anything we can do to uh, keep them safe you know if you're going to book a meeting room making sure that the meeting room is not occupied past a certain amount of recommended uh, occupancy to covid safe reasons so i hope it goes back to normal as much as possible because i love working in the uh office i enjoy the uh, fun environment and you know seeing all of our colleagues but i think there still will be a kind of like a transition period uh and then hopefully one day we get back to kind of where we were yeah absolutely and there is like also another consideration that i don't feel like the gut feeling says that companies they won't be installing as many cables now because you mentioned the hot desking it will be wi-fi first basically so the offices will convert from everything cabled wired with you know docking stations all around uh, sporadic meetings to, to wi-fi first environments where uh, people will not only be connecting their wi-fi uh, corporate devices but also the wi-fi byod devices guest devices and it will be tons of devices so even if the office will not be uh, having as many people as we used to have before wi-fi devices counts uh, from wi-fi devices count perspective we probably will see uh, more uptake on on the wi-fi side yeah absolutely and i think i'm i'm with you matt i do definitely miss going into the office i mean i, I sound like a little dog needy little dog when i'm sort of talking about this on the on the, on the podcast it's not, not the first time i've done it but i do miss that interaction face-to-face interaction so i'm definitely definitely looking forward to uh definitely looking forward to coming back so how about how about from a different angle then Haley? me and you were having a conversation the other day about maybe from another angle so obviously internally businesses have got a lot of things to think about but how about for the areas of you know things that we've missed like face-to-face meetings with external people and things like that what do you think is going to change from that perspective or what do you think is worth thinking about for for those teams that will be making those decisions yeah well i think the return to the office is really interesting because it it poses a, a real opportunity as well for businesses to evaluate what their um wireless site infrastructure look like what were their requirements, but what are their new requirements going to be to be to support their teams? And when we're looking at this, you know, we have this kind of window before everybody goes back to to really be critical on what we need our network to do, why we need it to do it. And and the one thing which you know, came to mind, you know, we were discussing was quite often you'll have visitors, you'll have potential clients or existing clients coming into your office. You know, they've come for a meeting. Um, and possibly one of the first things they do, the first uh, times they could actually interact with one of your your systems and, and your networks is by trying to log on to the guest Wi-Fi. Um, now, I think all of us know that that can be 
can range from being a very simple process to a very painful one. And yeah, we do have to remember that that engagement forms part of our customer experience. So when people come in, how easy is it to access the Wi-Fi? How many barriers do they have to go through? Um, yeah, how fast is it? It all builds into actually a little bit of like the brand reputation, you know, are you facilitating um, speed and access and and kind of flexibility of working? And is that the kind of values that you want your business to be seen as advocating? And, and Wi-Fi does that, you know, all of us, if you look at like the hierarchy of needs, I think everybody would say Wi-Fi is definitely a universal need now. If you're buying a house, you go and you stand there and you do it like test the Wi-Fi signal. Um, and I, you know, I don't think you can find people get more frustrated than if the Wi-Fi is down or they're having issues. Especially if you're a company and you pride yourself on your tech stature and, and your posture. And you know, there's nothing more embarrassing. I, I've had it myself where during lockdown, you, you've been on video calls with family and friends even and if something goes wrong everybody kind of looks at you they're like well you work for a tech company you should be able to sort this out um it and it you know nine times out of ten it's nothing we can actually have control over but but this is you know we have control over um our guest experiences and our clients experiences when they enter our office spaces in regards to wi-fi access yeah that's one of the greatest and most annoying fallacies of working for a, an IT or a tech business without actually having any technical experiences. You are the go-to IT support guy, right? That's uh, <laughs> like just just one of the biggest tropes. Um, that's an interesting one. So what about as part of this now hybrid uh, way of working? So people are going to be obviously working from home as well as um, working in the office as well. Um, people are probably going to have been maybe trying to find cobbled together ways of making their Wi-Fi work for them in terms of video calls and, and being optimized for that. But coming back to the Wi-Fi ninjas, do you guys have any tips for people that might be struggling with their Wi-Fi or just, you know, best practice, little things for people that might they might not have considered um, as part of that? Yeah, so one of the um, most common things I would see with, like, people's home Wi-Fi, if like, I've got a friend or a family member, they say, and they say to me, oh, Matt, the Wi-Fi at home isn't working very good. Like, what, what can you, what do you recommend? I'm, but one of the first things I'll ask him is, that, oh, can you send me a picture of where your home Wi-Fi router or device is? And I said, yeah, sure. And I get a picture of, you know, some downstairs cupboard where they've stuffed like a BT home hub router. And it's like a, I can see they pulled out like an ironing board, the Hoover, some other rubbish that they've just chucked in there. And they said, oh yeah, we put it in there. But when I'm upstairs in the bedroom, you know, the signal is just really low and it doesn't work. I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, you've stuck it literally probably in the worst place. You put it underneath a set of stairs then you've chucked a hoover on top of it and then an ironing board and an ironing and then, uh, I don't know, some clothes and stuff. So maybe you want to maybe move it to a, a better position, like get it out from being completely surrounded by um, so much material that's going to block the Wi-Fi signal because you can't fix Wi-Fi that's not there. Um, you'd have to, you know, install something else like in, a, in some sort of extender, an additional access point, and something like that. So the first thing is making sure that the coverage is kind of what you'd expect it to be. And you've got signal um, from uh, the device to everywhere in your house, your apartment, wherever you live in. 
Uh, and the second thing I would say is that, you know, making sure you're avoiding your neighbors as much as possible, not just with COVID and staying, you know, socially distanced, but with your Wi-Fi, you want to have some social distance there as well, because Wi-Fi, uh, we have to share the air with everyone. So if I'm on the same channel as, you know, my neighbor, we've got to share that kind of that split. So the best thing to do is to be on a different Wi-Fi channel to our neighbors. So if you can uh, reconfigure your device to not work on the same Wi-Fi channels as your neighbors, if you're like me in a block of apartments where I've got neighbors to my left, to my right, above me, below me, what you find is that the uh, ISPs like Sky, BT, Virgin, uh, what they want to do is they want to have a device that can transmit as most powerfully as possible uh, and you know like you said you want to have the fastest speed so to get faster speeds you've got to bond your wi-fi channels together so they use the widest possible channels and then they enable all of the lower data rates so you can stay connected from farther away oh well, that's great if you you know live on your own and you're not by surrounded by loads of people but when you've got like six seven other neighbors all on the same wi-fi channel as you all transmitting as strongly as possible uh you know you've got to share the medium with everyone else and it's gonna you know cause interference so i think Trying to avoid your neighbors is uh, one of the good tips. So what I uh, recommend is just download some sort of free Wi-Fi scanner. Just have a look at what's going on in your environment. If you can reconfigure your device at home to use a different channel to what all your neighbors are using, uh, then great. If not, maybe it's time to uh, upgrade and buy some sort of device uh, that you can have more control, more advanced settings control over that device. So I say... Fix the coverage if it's if it's not there. Maybe put your device in a better place, and then check to make sure you're not interfering with your neighbours as much as possible. So reducing the amount of interference and having the best strongest quality signal. My two big big tips. These are the biggest. Uh, I just 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 to add to what you've already said. Uh, there are two bands: two point four gigahertz and five gigahertz in in Wi-Fi. And on two point four, it's way more difficult to avoid your neighbors so without diving deeper into the technicalities of that switch to five gigahertz if you can just bear in mind that five gigahertz will not have a str as strong coverage as 2.4 gigahertz but it will be way easier for you to avoid your neighbors in bigger houses or in older houses with thicker walls additionally you might need to have more than one wi-fi access point and if that's the case, then just like a standard BT hub or Virgin hub or Sky hub or whatever you have from your ISP, internet service provider, might not be sufficient enough. And then you have two choices. You can go enterprise grade and pick from like, you know, recognizable vendors like Cisco, Meraki, Mist, or anything else like slightly cheaper, maybe like Ubiquiti, or you might go a home routers uh, route where you can pick something like Netgear Orbi or Amazon Eero. These are two like very strong uh, choices for for home and other than that yeah absolutely avoid your neighbors have a perfect coverage and then you're sorted avoid your neighbors definitely some context required there but um no that's really really good i, I think i learned something there myself as well so another thing i'm i'm really interested to hear from from you guys especially is um just how what, what the environment looks like for you guys at the moment in terms of you're obviously as you mentioned um matt constantly on site with with clients and, and things as well but what what kind of projects or what kind of things are you working on with clients at the moment Matt why don't I come to you first this time of course so currently I have like several different uh, clients most of them they are sitting in a carpeted office spaces a uh, few of them they are actually slightly still a carpeted office mostly but uh, more architecturally developed uh, weird original uh, buildings with more challenges i guess with massive vast open spaces so recently i was uh, i was visiting a very nice uh, town of bath in 
England to to work on 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 a troubleshooting so a validation survey uh, activity where the client had issues with Wi-Fi uh, quality where they were dropping off sometimes even if they were not dropping off this sometimes they had issues with coverage some there uh, some of the key people they couldn't connect to uh, to the Wi-Fi at all and they had slow roaming sticky devices they couldn't roam at all or they would drop off mid-call or in the middle of the day they were just sitting on the conference call and then one second everyone in the area would just drop off the access point would not reboot but they will drop off all the clients this kind of stuff so i went to the site and validated the network both physically and from a configuration perspective coming up with like 20 different requirements some of them uh, quick hot fixes where you can make your environment like a 10 years old environment better immediately. And some of our more of a long-term fixes showing not exactly yet how to redesign, but outlining that you will need to redesign, especially in these areas. And if you do, then take a look at your architecture because today it's doing like a central switching and you know maybe you would like to leverage local switching and you would have to uh, think about uh, connecting your remote sites slightly differently instead of going through one centralizing traffic through data centers slowing it down maybe you want to leverage local connectivities maybe you would want to go wi-fi 6 this time and what options do you have there so outline all this stuff so after just like one day on site uh, we came up with not only fixes like a super easy to implement one day type of fixes but also a roadmap about how to approach these issues more long term so that was that was me how about you matt uh yeah so i've got a few different projects on the go at the moment for uh, different types of customers really um but i would say the first one that would be quite good to talk about is that i that we do quite a lot is that um especially in london like new offices new office deployments where a customer has recently acquired some space and they're um, reconfiguring the office or it's a brand new office or maybe it was an existing office and they uh they're re designing repurposing the office space so they want us to come in and do a new design of their wi-fi network um but you know they send us these plans and we say okay can we come on site and do some testing like oh well the site isn't actually built yet can you know just do a design from looking at the floor plans off site uh which we can totally do we can take the floor plans we can load it into our software which we use ekahal uh, and then we can come up with a predictive model so we do a design that way, using the software by simulating, you know, drawing all the walls, attenuation areas, placing the access points, looking at the heat maps and stuff. But, you know, this is all simulated design stuff. So when the office gets into a more of a, you know, as built state, when it's nearing completion and they've built some of the partitions, the walls, the uh, glass partitions, and, you know, there's things there we can go and test. We then go on site. Uh, we do our testing, gather our data, and then come back to our predictive model, update our design to make sure it reflects uh, what's going to be ha- going to be actually in the environment so we get a nice accurate design for our customer so we do quite a lot of that for lots of different customers because i see that happening quite a lot in especially in and around london loads of um companies you know moving into bigger spaces or reconfiguring their current space to make it more open plan so they need someone to come in and uh, you know design where to place the access points so basically we just mentioned about two different uh, types of activities like main types of activities when it comes to physical wi-fi uh, Matt was talking about the redesign or a design portion where you come in and think about how to build a new Wi-Fi network uh, using a set of you know requirements and success criteria. And I was quickly covering a very quick example of how to validate, troubleshoot, optimize Wi-Fi network. So we do the validation surveys. We do different types of validation surveys focused on, on troubleshooting, optimization, post-deployments, 
and also validation service before we even start doing the design. So design typically has two elements, on-site and off-site, especially for more complicated sites. Uh, so for as long as the site has like more than several APs, we always would like to, to come on site to do a validation survey before we even start designing to understand how our new Wi-Fi system will fit into the existing RF radio frequency environment, uh, considering all the neighbors, interferences, sources, Wi-Fi and non-Wi-Fi, this kind of stuff. So yeah, that's that's all I wanted yeah, to. Yeah, I was to just going to say the um, another um, type of project that I work on quite often with the customers and uh, more recently with the whole pandemic and now things are starting to like, they're going to be um, reopening again is our assessment type survey. So it's a little bit similar to what Mac did with the validation survey, uh, troubleshooting survey. He went on site and, you know, had to predict the existing environment. Customers, you know, are seeing the roadmap to get back to working and they want to make sure that when their employees they go back to the office the wi-fi is going to be fit for purpose for the new demand so they've been asking us to come in uh, do a survey on site look at how the wi-fi access points are placed look at the configuration of the wireless so not you know, just doing the physical rf survey walking around but actually review the configuration of a if it's a cloud controller if it's an on-site controller uh, and you know take all of this into consideration for what is going to be demanded on the Wi-Fi uh, in the new way of working. And then we can put that all into a document, into a nice document and give that back to our customer with a whole bunch of recommendations on how, you know, even if they just keep the same Wi-Fi infrastructure and the access points in the exact same position, um, is there things that they can do to improve the Wi-Fi that, you know, if there's a lots of rogue devices, is there any interference? Can we reconfigure those channels, you know, to avoid uh, other tenants inside of the building? Oh, there's some configuration parameters we can improve on. Maybe they use a um, really secure method of access for one of their corporate networks, but they haven't got any of the fast roaming parameters turned on. So you say if there's going to be a corporate Wi-Fi laptop connected to that network and they want to roam and transition between access point to access point, if they've not got that configured, then, you know, it could be seen as like a poor Wi-Fi call or video call over Wi-Fi as they transition between access points. So we can take a look at, lots and lots of things and get lots of information out of from just going and reviewing their current Wi-Fi setup and just doing an assessment audit of their actual RF side using our survey software. And then we can take a look at their configuration as well and make a whole bunch of recommendations. So they, they seem to be quite popular ones, especially at the moment. Yeah, so thanks for running through that, Matt. Actually, um, off the back of this podcast, we're going to be running a competition to for a free giveaway of one of those Wi-Fi assessment orders that Matt's just run through there. So if you are interested, please follow the link um, connected to the podcast and it will take you to a site where you can pop in some information and be in for a chance to win a free engagement with one of the guys. Hooray. Such a magnificent prize. Mm-hmm. I love it. It is. And it's a it's a podcast first as well, our first giveaway. I'm pretty excited about that, to be fair. And so one other thing I'd like to touch on before we, we tie things up, boys and girls, is um, in terms of just the, the tech that's available. Now, we try to steer clear of jumping into the nitty gritty details of technology and leave that to the to the, to the experts like you guys. But um, while I've got you here, obviously, our industry doesn't usually stay the same over any period of time. I know a year ago on, on your podcast, you guys were talking quite a lot about Wi-Fi 6. Has much changed over the last 12 months? And is there, is there much, that, you know, in terms of advice that you could give to people maybe considering looking at Wi-Fi 6 as part of, again, any changes that they're making to their Wi-Fi infrastructure? Um, Mark, I don't know if you want to pick that one up. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think like we started talking about Wi-Fi 6, it was closer to two years ago. I think that was the uh, Nomads event. It was 2019 as far 
as I remember. So it has been it has been a while. And since then, quite a lot of stuff has changed. So when we were hosting this event at Natilix offices, pre-pandemic, beautiful times, beautiful times. Guys. I remember. I kind of remember. Time yeah, just sort of remember. blurs into one now, which is probably why I thought it was a year ago when it was more like two. <laughs> yeah. I think we were at Wi-Fi 6, 802.11ax draft, like 2.0 or something. Now we are on draft, I think it's, it's version 5, so it's still not like a ratified standard. Uh, but all the major vendors out there, they have released a proper Wi-Fi 6 APs that will be fully Wi-Fi 6 certified. And there are just a few, few things worth mentioning. First thing is that the Wi-Fi 6 is not more, uh, not more costly. It's not more expensive than Wi-Fi 5, 802.11ac that was with us since 2014. So if you are buying a new equipment and if you are scared of Wi-Fi 6 or you don't have Wi-Fi 6 devices in your enterprise environment, still go for Wi-Fi 6 and worst case, disable Wi-Fi 6 features. Uh, it will future-proof the network quite uh, considerably. Additionally, even today, if you have Wi-Fi 6 and you start dropping high-density traffic onto the Wi-Fi 6 APs, even using Wi-Fi 6 clients, as it stands today, it doesn't give you massive benefits to have Wi-Fi 6. So if you have like a juicy Wi-Fi 5 from a few years ago, like, you know, Cisco 3800s lying around, you can still use them very comfortably. So I would probably uh, suggest uh, focusing on different things and just replacing APs for Wi-Fi 6 because of the name. But if you are at your upgrade cycle, by all means, go Wi-Fi 6. And for home environment, I don't feel like Wi-Fi 6 will give you any real benefits. So just to give you like one only benefit that you might have from Wi-Fi 6 at home pretty much today is that you will have slightly higher speeds when you are close to the access point and only then when you're really close to the AP. To give you a real example, I have access point in the landing. So I'm in my office. I have two walls between me and the AP and I'm getting 573 megs data rate on 40 megahertz channel with two special streams device. If I had Wi-Fi 5, I would have gone down from 573 to around 450 megs. That's it. Okay, so if it costs you like a massive premium, few hundred pounds difference, Wi-Fi 5 is still good, especially for uh, home environments. And when it comes to the devices, most of the new devices, especially flagships, Apple, Samsung, Xiaomi, so biggest uh, brands out there, but not only them, most of the other brands, and not only in, um, in consumer mobile devices, but also in laptops, they pack Wi-Fi 6 uh, today. So we can't go wrong with that, really. Uh, no, I think um, I think Matt covered it really well, especially, you know, if customers are at that point where they're, you know, some of the access points they've got currently, they'll say at that end of sale, end of life, and they, they need to upgrade, um, then it's totally worth going for, for Wi-Fi 6, because in the future, you're going to have all of these devices that come on, they support Wi-Fi 6, so you should have better efficiency, better, better battery life. Um, so yeah, if you're at that point in your life cycle, then it definitely makes sense to go for Wi-Fi 6 rather than buying a previous standard of Wi-Fi, which is, you know, Wi-Fi 5. Um, any other new technology? I suppose one thing that we haven't really spoken about is, you know, um, if you are trying to get people to come back to work safely, uh, how you can, you know, maybe track and see uh, room occupancy details. Um, if you, you know, want to see if someone's come into close proximity with someone else for uh, over a certain period of time and the HR team can, you know, uh, doesn't necessarily need to know exactly, you know, who's what tag until they've become, um, you know, infected with COVID and then you can send a notification to the five people they, they were around for, 10 minutes that hey uh, someone that you was around has got covid 
can you just work from home for the next two weeks to, you know, try and control the virus and not spread it around anymore? So I think that's probably anything that we didn't cover that you maybe want to just just touch on. That's something that you can facilitate in any kind of environment from carpeted offices all the way to, you know, very large industrial warehouses. Yeah, I think that's probably that's a really good point, because I think people often see um, the network as like an isolated, almost piece, piece of business kit or infrastructure when actually this is an opportunity for other business units units such as like hr teams people teams to to utilize the technology um to assist them there will be lots of compliance and lots of rules and regulations and restrictions in how you're managing occupancy in your offices how you are implementing new policies and procedures to keep your people safe and also another factor you have to consider is the privacy side to the data that you're collecting so obviously making sure that an element of the data is anonymous until it needs to be utilized and that is where you can leverage your wi-fi network and capacity tracking to make sure that you're informing your teams and acting with a rapid response Okay, I will just add something very quickly here. It's not just Wi-Fi network, so we can leverage existing Wi-Fi systems that we have to give us some extent of location capabilities. So with just Wi-Fi, it will be like a presence. We can say we can have something like uh, how many people we have in West Wing versus East Wing, or if we have like thick walls, we can see how many people we have in a in a meeting room. But typically, uh, that's that's it. And we can infuse Wi-Fi with more underlying technologies like BLE or ultra bands to cater for all, all different verticals, pretty much. So in a carpeted office, Wi-Fi 6 APs from, from Cisco, uh, they have built-in BLE radios that we can leverage for the RTLS, so in the locating of people. So if you have contact tracing for COVID applications, uh, you pretty much have the accuracy that is required to give you not only contact tracing, but also room occupancy, uh, booking of hot desks. Uh, you might uh, be accurate enough to give like indoor navigation capabilities for uh, corporate mobile devices. Uh, so you can find the guests can find their hosts, you know, the new employees can find their meeting rooms and you can find a uh, free meeting rooms and see where they are. Even though like I've been at Antilic for, I don't know how many years, six years now, I still can't remember where the meetings from are. Okay, so, and okay, so just coming back to the underlying text extremely quickly, if you have existing Cisco environment, if you, and if you want to have more accuracy and more functionality, it's an easy addition kind of with an overlay from, from one of our other partners. Or if you have a dense Cisco deployment of your APs with BLE radios, you can leverage that to give you like three to six meters accuracy. And the track is reversing now. That's very convenient. So I'll just add to that then quickly then whilst Max in with the truck outside of his house is that, uh, you know, if you want to come, I'd say if you, if this is a topic that you're interested in, come and speak to us because depending on your environment will really depend on what type of technology we go for to use to give you that level of accuracy that you're looking for. Because if you're in an industrial warehouse space compared to a carpeted office, we're going to use different underlying technologies for the, uh, for the tracking. So if this is something that you're interested in, I'd really recommend reaching out to someone in a, on the Natalic sales guys or marketing team uh, and then so you can get in contact with us to have a chat about it so we can help you with coming up with the right um, technology design and deployment to get your staff back working health safely and healthily. Rule of thumb there is not to try to solve issue that doesn't exist so first of all 
it's probably always best to understand what we want to solve with the indoor positioning. And then when you have something on your mind, like a real challenge that you are struggling to solve, then reach out and we can help you out with uh, the level of accuracy and precision that you might require to make that happen. Yeah, that's, that advice is awesome. I think the uh, it's safe to say this is the most informative episode of the podcast that we've done so far, at least anyway. So um, I think that's pretty much um, the best time to, to tie things up. So Matt, Matt, Kaylee, thank you very much for your time. Um, it's been great. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you very much. It was a massive blast, man. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening to NatChat, the Natalic Podcast. Please subscribe to the Natalic Podcast on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. And leave us a review while you're there. It really helps us improve and grow the show. Please note that opinions expressed on the Natalic Podcast are those of the hosts or our guests, not the organisations that they represent. You can find more information on Natalic on our website, that's natalic.com. You can also find us on social media. On Twitter, we're at Natalic Group, as well as Facebook and LinkedIn. Our theme music was provided by Dan Short, who you can find at Danza, that's D-A-N-Z-R, on music streaming services. This is Rob Thor, and thanks again for listening.